May I speak in the name of our living and loving God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some years ago, I had the good fortune to experience a cruise to Alaska. Maybe some of you have also visited that magical place. If so, you will understand why I say that it is a place which is impossible to describe. The snow-covered hills and peaks, the majestic glaciers, the astonishing sight of whales breaking the surface of the ocean to breathe, golden eagles taking flight, a temperate rainforest in shades of green too numerous to list, and so much more. As I mention those things, you might well be able to picture something in your mind, but it can only approximate to the experience of being in Alaska. Words actually fail me in conveying to anyone who has not been there what the experience was actually like. I can say to you that the face of the glacier was like a shimmering blue sapphire, but it only tells part of the story. And any adjectives I might be able to supply would themselves fall short of conveying the wonder that seeing the glacier evoked in me. In a similar way, our words can never fully capture or describe God. As Isaiah puts it, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. There is always a beyondness of God before which we can only stand in awe, and about which our our greatest eloquence can only afford a glimpse. Perhaps the closest we can come to conveying the majesty of God in words is through poetry. For example, the great Welsh priest and poet R.S. Thomas once said, Poetry is that which arrives at the intellect by way of the heart. The heart is the gateway of encounter with the divine and the place where we can draw near to the mystery of God. Poetry and art can open the way to experience, even if it leaves us struggling to put into words what that experience means to us. Our first reading provides an example of that struggle. The author of Revelation, in tradition St. John the Divine, is attempting to describe a vision that he had of the heavenly court. His experience echoes the visions of the Old Testament prophets Isaiah and Ezekiel, And like them, John struggles to describe what he saw in his vision, and he uses the word like on numerous occasions. The limitations of language in any attempt to describe God and the heavenly realm quickly become apparent. Here are just a few examples. The first voice the writer heard from the door of heaven was like a trumpet. The one seated on the throne looks like Jasper and Cornelian. Around the throne is a rainbow that looks like an emerald. There are four living creatures, the first like a lion, the second like an ox, the third with a face like a human face, and the fourth like a flying eagle. The closest John can get to conveying to his reader just what he saw in his vision is by using categories and images that his readers would be familiar with. The things he sought to describe were like, 
but not the same as something else. His words can take us only so far. And so it is with any attempt to describe that of God which is beyond our understanding. We must never lose sight of the glory and transcendence of God, qualities that will always be beyond our ability to summarize or describe. We should certainly not try to domesticate God by confining God within the categories we impose. If we do, we will fail inevitably. God is always beyond, always more than any images or descriptions we can muster. The Orthodox Church is one branch of Christendom that keeps a focus very much on this otherness of God, and we would do well to heed their insights in an age where there are temptations to reduce God to the end product of a strategy, to describe God in relation to human agendas, to make God the big CEO. So that chapter from Revelation is a a reminder to us of the transcendent nature of God and an encouragement to us to lift our hearts to God in worship, rejoicing in the knowledge that the joy and wonder of being in God's presence is beyond all that we can conceive or imagine, and that there we have an eternal future. In contrast, today's Gospel reading affords us another insight into the wonder of God, reminding us that, as well as being transcendent and always more than we can comprehend, God is also imminent. In other words, closer to us than our very breath. That is the paradox of God, always beyond us, yet always one of us because of the human life he lived in Jesus. The story tells us of how Jesus was with his disciples crossing the lake. He had been performing miracles and teaching, with the crowds making many demands upon his time. It was not surprising then that Luke describes Jesus as falling asleep in the boat. With seldom a minute to himself, perhaps our Lord took every opportunity that came his way to rest and recover. It's a very human picture with which we can all identify. Who among us has never nodded off in the odd, unexpected place? On a bus or train, maybe even missing your stop. In the dark cinema, if the film is slow. Even in a church pew, if the sermon is boring. By the way, if the person next to you is asleep, please wake them up. We know what it's like to be tired and weary. It's part of our humanness. So when Luke describes Jesus as being asleep in the boat, we have no problem holding that image in our mind or being able to identify with what he is telling us about Jesus. Unlike the writer of Revelation in his attempt to describe the court of heaven, Luke did not need to resort to comparisons with which we are familiar in order to help us understand It was enough for Luke to say Jesus was asleep in the boat. Human beings fall asleep, and so we have no problem identifying with Jesus in that respect. He shares our human nature. This is what incarnation means. While the God of the whole universe is always beyond our finite understanding, that same God has come among us in Jesus in order that we might know what God is like. As we read in Paul's letter to the Colossians, Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. 
for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. In Jesus, God was asleep in the boat. Then we are told, a storm blew up and the disciples feared for their lives. For the people of Israel, the sea was not a happy place. In their tradition, it was a place of chaos and terror. It was unpredictable and hostile, turning from calmness to storm in a moment. As the wind picked up and the boat began to fill with water, in desperation they wake up Jesus, saying, Master, Master, we are perishing. I like to think that Jesus was perhaps catnapping in the boat, maybe with one eye open, just to see how the disciples were coping. There's nothing in the gospel to suggest that, but it seems like something Jesus might have done out of his care and love for his disciples. In any event, Jesus wakes up from sleep and rebukes the raging wind and waves, which then cease, and he challenges the disciples about their lack of faith. A bit harsh, perhaps? The experience had just scared the living daylights out of them. Understandably, they were afraid and amazed at Jesus' actions. Who but God alone could still the storm? The very one who had been asleep in the boat was the one who did this. Transcendence and immanence were held together in a human life. I think our two readings this morning offer us some insights into those two coexisting aspects of how we understand and experience God in our lives. The transcendence of God focuses our attention on the otherness of God, reminding us that all our categories and descriptions will inevitably fall short of the reality of God. It lifts our eyes beyond the mundane, everyday trials and tribulations of life. The best we can manage in even the most profound expressions of art and beauty that we can muster are signs and symbols that point us ever onward. Such expressions lift our gaze beyond the struggles that beset us to the glory and majesty of God, the one before whom we can only respond in awe and worship. The imminence of God reminds us that God is in the boat with us. God is intimate, close, loving, identifying with us completely, not aloof or distant, but present and concerned for every aspect of our existence and well-being. Jesus is the one in whom we see in a human life what God is like. He shows us that God's glory is present in the very stuff of our humanity. He reassures us that, paradoxically, the God who is always beyond our imagining encompasses us within God's love, compassion, and presence. In Jesus, God allows us to touch the untouchable, to approach the unapproachable, to comprehend something of the incomprehensible. As the theologian Jane Williams puts it, the human Jesus holds together creator and created as he stands in the boat and stills the storm. In Jesus, we can know what God is like, and through him we can experience for ourselves firsthand the unfathomable, indescribable, and unconditional love of God. If you know it for yourself, rejoice and be glad. Let other people know. 
If not, and you would like to find out more, please do talk to someone afterwards. Transcendent and imminent, beyond us and with us, that is the one true God we know in Jesus Christ. It is an experience of God that is life-changing and too good to miss. Amen.